HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's. Roberta'spizza.com Season 2 of Meet and 3 is almost here. We're kicking off with a show all about football. I am excited. So much fun. <laughs> we'll tell you how to master the tailgating scene with help from some Atlanta chefs. The sky's the limit when it comes to tailgating. Yeah, do something that you, you can pull off without stressing yourself too much. Then we'll look at what's good and bad about players' diets whether they're an NFL star or just made the JV team at their high school. And that's when I was told the first time, well, just take them to McDonald's and feed them feed Big Macs and milkshakes. There's a greater percentage of guys that have a, a, a clear focus on what they're putting in their body. You know, in SEC school, people are fans, but we also have to realize that they're kids. They're 18 to 22, 23-year-olds. Subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts and be the first to know when season two drops. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. And my name's Southern Teague. No, I'm sorry. Southern Teague. <laughs> Southern Teague is out of town. He is in Kansas City with a bunch of friends from the industry at um, a, a pop event. He's uh, signing some books out there. And so if you are in the Kansas City area, uh, flag him down on his social media, which is Creative Drunk. And maybe you can meet up with him and have a drink. He likes old overhaul whiskey. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and bitter stuff. I, I don't know if he's ever expressed that to anyone yet, but he likes bitters. No, wait, sorry, doesn't like them. He loves them. Loves them. them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, this has been a kind of strange week. It finally turned into fall very quickly. Uh, Dave. I mean, it was it was 100 degrees last week, and then all of a sudden this weekend it just started raining, and it got like to the 60s, something like that, like immediately. Are you? Oh, sorry, you're asking, <laughs> you're asking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. Confirm were you around this? this? I can you, confirm this. Yeah, were you around this weekend? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a weird week. Yeah, it's been strange. And also, uh, wanted to go to the beach, couldn't. Yeah, it couldn't. Sucks. I was on a motorcycle trip. Uh, I got rained out a little bit, so that kind of sucked. Made it home okay though. It was fine. And then just you know, did what. I, normally do in rainy weather drink some whiskey um also dave it's your last week with us right it is yes unfortunately who's gonna control the foley art that is a good question 
The art is in you, my friend. Might have to move the MIDI pad in here so I can just like do like drive time hour, just like all the. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. All right, well, we'll Let's see if we can break something up. You have to give me a lesson before the show, yeah. or after the show, rather. Um, anyway, so let's get to it. Uh, so there's out of town. It's just me and my guest today, and we have a few bottles in front of us that we need to get into. Also, all very cool, unique things that you're going to have to tell us all about. Today, all the way from L.A., in town for some top-secret recon <laughs> for a potential new spot that I, we're probably not going to talk about yet, <laughs> just yet. Um, but today, we have Jeremy Allen from Mini Bar in L.A. Whoop. How many spots do you have in LA with that group? There's like, there's they they have mini bar, and then uh, separately they have two restaurants, uh, one on one coffee shop, which is approaching 20 years, and Little Dom's in Los Feliz, which yeah. is uh, approaching or just past 10 years. Little Dom's. I used to live yeah. in Los Feliz. Oh, and, sweet. Uh, yeah, so I definitely know that spot. It's very cool. It's such a neighborhood place; like you can't walk through without seeing one of your buds at any time of day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was there. I was living there when it opened, and. That was fun to be like be there for a part of that. That's awesome. It was like, you know, so many days of going to the Yucca stand and <laughs> having like burgers and Mexican Coke and tacos. Uh, I was like, all right, another option. This is great. Um, so you are at Mini Bar. You're the general manager and the head bartender? And the um, sweeper and the mopper. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. How do you do both? I mean, that's all at once. I think that would drive me insane. Stay up I mean, late. did, Wake actually. up early. <laughs> uh, yeah. no, no claims to not be insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but, mean, when I opened Grand Army, I was doing kind of the same thing and it just but I was it wasn't by by choice, it was out of necessity and I started phasing those out. So to do two those those are two full-time jobs. For for me it was always like um working in other places, I was often telling people what to do and often being told don't tell people what to do until you're in charge. Yeah. And somehow kind of orchestrated it to have a place that's tiny enough that I can control everything. Now we're at a place where it's been there long enough and um, the, the tone and the mood has been set that I can start zooming out a little bit yeah, and trying to big picture some, some other stuff, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's great. I mean, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm like trying to open up some more spots right now and I, I'm kind of like dreading the idea of going back to those hours but you seem to be pretty calm and collected about it yeah i mean i asked for it i i um found something i really like to do and yeah uh, really yeah how did you get in shit, shit could be worse yeah where you said you're from minneapolis and you moved to la about 15 years ago 16 yep. something like that um were you in the industry back then there's there's like two things i've always been uh related to and always will be is uh music and f- uh, bars and restaurants so yeah. like grew up in it, you know. Yeah. Was uh, I think the, f- <laughs> the first time I was in the kitchen in a restaurant, I was like five or six years old. My best friend had a Chinese restaurant, and his family would babysit us by sending us in the kitchen. So it was like <laughs> doing egg rolls as a uh, definitely illegal child labor, but you know, free babysitting. Dude, I would have I would have just been like embezzling so much <laughs> MSG. Have been amazing. <laughs> Um, so that being said, you said you, uh, you're a musician and used to tour a lot. Does that, I mean, like I always feel like a lot of like people who work in the industry, a lot of them are working, you know, like artists, musicians, actors, there's always been a direct correlation between art and 
the in, the food and beverage industry, right? Did you, um, like when you were on tour with a band, did you ever, did that, did those late nights and like long hours, did that actually like help you out when you were on the road? Like as far as being able to handle the stress? Because being on tour is like, it's a lot of work, man. And a lot of people, a lot of people can't handle tour. And a lot of people can't handle being in it's, industry. It's a it's a terrible way to make a living if you don't enjoy it. Like yeah. like the rates of success are so tiny that um, especially if you don't enjoy what you're doing, it's it's a really bad decision. You know. I guess both. Yeah, both, both. industries share that both. for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, for me, like the the closest correlation is uh, spending hours in a van with someone is a lot like spending hours behind a bar with someone. You know. Yeah. If the chemistry is weird, it's just tense and it's no fun and the crowd can tell that you know yeah for sure so but if it you are on stage when you're behind a bar or like on the floor even or you know in the in an open kitchen and uh yeah hopefully there's just less farting in the restaurant (laughs) or the bar because there's plenty of that going on in the van (laughs) that's a that's a a huge part of the van really bad dieting uh you know it's all beef jerky and like goldfish into it just yeah (laughs) 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 i was i was always curious about that actually with my band on tour um just like our drummer was he became a bartender around the time that we started touring and and then our pianist was also uh working on bars at the time and the rest of the guys the other three guys all had like day jobs and for the guys in the like that had the day jobs they were always really excited about like truck stop food and then the other three of us, like people who are used to like kind of like staff meal, like staff meal. And you got to like make sure that you get there in time before it runs out. And like you're like hustling. And then like, of course, at the end of the night, like you're eating slices of pizza or if you're in, in California, it's tacos, you know, and you're not really eating all that well. Or you go into a diner, you know, that's always the common thread. Same thing happens on tour. You find a Waffle House and we, we were young enough that you could eat like shit. You know, yeah. like, like there's one or two tours where I made a point to like eat dessert with every meal just as like <laughs> a thing, uh, you know, but you could get away with it, eat and eat and drink all night. And, we should write a book, like, a, 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 you know, a guide <laughs> kind of diet book or, you know, just how to eat well on tour if there's any possible way. But also you're trying to save money and that's the thing. It's like if you play a, you know, a couple shows in a row where no one shows up, it's the same as like working a couple of dead shifts and like, like, all right, what can I actually afford? Then, then you play that one big sold out show, like on that tour. The and you're like, all right, we're going to the steakhouse. Yeah, you, you plan the whole tour around the college show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was one band we toured with is, uh, at the time it was like nine or 10 people in their band. So they're splitting, you wow. know, $6, 12 ways. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, the singer, every time he would do a dare for his portion of the money, just do something stupid and then give away all his money. It was just like, what's going on? It was like huh. funny, funny to see. Like what were what's there, what are some of the examples? Do you remember any of them? Uh, yeah, uh, vividly, <laughs> yeah, uh, vividly. I mean, use your imagination. Do the worst. <laughs> use your imagination. Drink something you should. Okay, drink. all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of drinking, <laughs> something that we should be drinking. Uh, we have two cups here. One's like lighter than the other one. We're drinking the darker one. Do you want me to guess what these are? Only if you want to. 
I don't, I don't, don't want to put anyone on the spot, but I think it's kind of They're drinking a cider over here. But, I mean, it, it it's a lot like a, kind of like a Pinot de Chirant vibe. I'm gonna be this guy. Um, it's a it's a wine everyone is super familiar with, but not actually drinking wise. Like you see it like everywhere. Marsala? It's exactly yeah. Marsala. It's been so long since I've had Marsala. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I'm like on this hunt to find not only like drinkable ones, but like delicious ones. And uh, you guys get a little bit more. There's the the shopping is a little bit deeper for Italian stuff here in New York City mm-hmm. than maybe L.A. So what got you turned on to, did you actually have a Marsala that you were like, at one point you were like, oh my God, I can actually drink this. Yeah. And that's, that's what turned that's you exactly on to it. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. I was like, yeah, wait you, a second. And I'm like, you know, there's there's all those trends and everyone's done sherry and everyone's done ports and whatever. And it's like, hey, wait a second. Like I could be the Marsala guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, And it's like one of those, oh, let's, uh, you know. Let's trick the the sommeliers or whatever. It's just like a fun little thing that's like hidden in plain sight. But, yeah, I mean, to me, this doesn't drink at all. Like, this is like, this drinks like an actual, like, respectable kind yeah. of, like, dessert wine. Like, it maybe comes in something smaller than five gallons, you know? <laughs> So are you incorporating this in the cocktails, or are you just kind nah, of right. show, showcasing it on its own? Yeah, right now I'm still uh, exploring. This is more like the like good night send-off, like have a sip on your way out kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Cool. Is this something that was inherited from growing up in like the Midwest? Like having... No, like, my dad My dad was a chef in an Italian restaurant. Yeah. Say we owned an Italian restaurant, and my dad did the cooking, so I've cool. seen all this. Yeah. I saw the grandpa juice, the uh, the Amaro's, you know, yeah. firsthand back then, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it must have been, I don't know, it must have been interesting living in, like, in Minneapolis and growing up in an Italian restaurant and then getting into the Amari and stuff like that. Because, like, you probably didn't get, like, whole, you probably had, the, like, the standards, right? You had, like, your yeah. Campari or Aperol, Averna maybe, maybe Fernet Branca. We had Averna and we had the yellow one. The yellow one? The yellow one. Strega? No, not that yellow. <laughs> what's the yellow oh, one? Shit, what's that yellow one? I can't think of the name right now, but yeah. There's Ramazzotti, Averna, and then the yellow one. But but like when my dad drank it, that was definitely the first time I'd ever seen it, you know. Like Montenegro? And no. I wonder what this yellow one is. No. Where's Southern when you need them? <laughs> He's gonna be like, yeah, which which of the three hundred yellow ones that are behind my bar? Um <laughs> Cool. Well, I mean, I don't know. I growing up in Oklahoma, I didn't see a whole lot of different things either. But that that also drove me to want more, like to figure out more. And now it's really interesting to see, like in places like like in Minneapolis and Oklahoma City, there's like kind of a wealth of these things. And it's also based on the fact that people just became more and more interested, and the demand came up. And like it's also based on like the education and. Know, like it all starts from the restaurant, which is funny because you came from the restaurant. Or I, it's not funny; it's ironic. You know. Well, no, I also see like um, in smaller cities like that. The even if the idea comes from outside, you know, maybe comes from a big city, they get passed around and incubated a lot quicker in the smaller sure. communities. So they really uh, evolve faster, and then they kind of um, lap us 
in the big cities, you know, and then yeah. you'll go home and you'll be like, shit, like, there's really cool stuff happening here, right. you know? That happened to me for sure in Oklahoma City, man. I, I, I went back, um, I've been living here for almost exactly 12 years, um, and I remember going back one time and there were all these, like, it was actually when the band was on tour about, like, five years ago or so, went back and all of a sudden there were all these cocktail bars and we had a couple of, like, TV things before our show that night and we were like it was like a homecoming for me and my brother and I had you know I, I maybe it was six years ago I had just been doing the show for a couple of years and I I wanted to like give him my card and do like an interview and I'm like yeah let's do one right now and I was like heck yeah I'll just record it on my my iPhone you know and then our show got uh, the uh, TV show that we're supposed to be on got bumped up a little bit so my brother and like a couple other guys in the band are like we have to leave right now so like i'm sure there are like scuff marks from my boots across the floor from them <laughs> dragging me out and i was like but i didn't even get to order a drink yet but it was amazing there was like all the mise en place and all these different bitters and the back bar looked amazing um it was just crazy it's, there's like a cool part of town now in every city you know yeah there. and on the flip side of that it's kind of crazy because there are very few places where you can still like get a deal on real estate and kind of like make money off of opening a new bar yeah. or a restaurant. Cause I don't know. I always say the world doesn't get smaller. You just get bigger, but the world has actually gotten smaller. Yeah, for know? sure. And, uh, it's definitely not a bad thing. I mean, it's not a bad thing yet, but <laughs> like, that's how we, we have to, expand the world before everyone has seen everything you know yeah that's the thing is like how do you there's still fresh new stuff out there there's still um cool places to eat on tour that are passed off verbally instead of you see it on the travel show and all of a sudden you know six hundred thousand people are there right so but there's got to be um there's other stuff out there that we're not thinking of that's just in front of us you know like marsala like marsala which happens to be in front of us right now (laughs) You can still get a deal on Marsala. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking to Jeremy Allen of Mini Bar in L.A. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. We have Jeremy Allen from LA, from LA's Mini Bar, and we are sitting here with a couple of cups in front of us. We were just talking about. Bringing back some cool stuff. Uh, there was, I used to work at this place called ZZ's Clam Bar. It's part of the Carbone, like major food group. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And there was actually, all the cocktails were named after like the kind of like main ingredient. Like there was the coconut cocktail. There's the pineapple cocktail. There's actually a Marsala cocktail. And uh, it had just a, it had maybe like a quarter ounce or half an ounce of Marsala in it. And then everything else was just like based on the flavors that come from that's, that. That's what my grandma says is the Italian cancels everything else out. You know? <laughs> it's like a quarter Italian, a quarter Irish, a quarter German, quarter Czech. And they're like, no, that's a, that doesn't matter. It's yeah. like the Italian will cancel the rest of it out. <laughs> that's amazing. So this is, I mean, honestly, it's all like you were saying before at the first half of the show, the Marcello that I really know is like that cocktail being made with oh, like right, a right, regular right. Marcella, but it's been doctored up to taste like this. You maybe don't want more than a quarter ounce of that. Right. <laughs> but this is delicious. Yeah, Who's it's the delicious producer? and it's not like crazy sugary. Yeah. You didn't even tell us who the producer it's all right was for, for this. Day one. drinking. I gotta look. Right. Um uh I grabbed it at the uh, one and only Aster Wines yesterday. It's weird to ask someone a, a question at a wine shop, be like, hey, do you guys have any Marsalas that are actually like good for drinking? And they're like, uh, yes. And they know exactly right where it is in <laughs> right the store. This way, sir. Yeah. You're like, fuck, okay. Do nice. you have any like baller ass Marsala? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> but maybe you. They're like, oh, we've been, I mean, we've had this shit on the shelf for so long. Thank you for getting this out of here. <laughs> Sir. Um, okay, sweet. I know that word. Dolce. Vito Curatolo Arini Marsala. A pleasantly sweet vanilla finish. Yeah. Yep. That's what it's got. That's what we're going with. <laughs> Vito Curatolo Arini. Um, speaking of the uh, quarter Irish, I do got to... It's my mom's birthday today. So I got a happy birthday, mom, happy out birthday. there. Yeah, um, uh, that was the darker one, the cheaper though not that not crazy cheap for Marsala. Probably four times what your regular Marsala is. So you know, eighteen bucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. And then this one's a little bit smaller bottle, a little bit more expensive. Marco De Bartoli. Um, I think I might be able to find this in L.A. because the um, I know the importer on the back is familiar to me. This one's got it's like a little bit um, lighter, paler, a little bit more green to me. Mm-hmm. A little I don't know if like tart or sour is exactly the word. Drier finish, definitely. Yeah. Holy crap! I like wines you drink that like make you thirsty. You know. <laughs> It's yeah, also a good a good bar trick for like nice dry drinks is totally. they, they disappear I quicker. I see that bottle. Of course. I never in the you know this is our three hundred and first episode since I started doing the speakeasy and I <laughs> I thought we'd had everything to drink on this show, but uh <laughs> I did, never thought we'd like have a uh, Marsala tasting. This is awesome. Thank you for doing no, this. No, of course. Thanks for being game. You nailed it too, by the way. You don't see that. This is cool, man. Uh, you know, uh, the <laughs> this one's a, this one drinks like we were saying before. Like you know, there's sherry and port and like Madeira and stuff like this. This one actually drinks to me a little bit more towards like not totally to Oloroso, but somewhere between the PX and Oloroso. It's still, like on the drier side, of course, but. 
It's, I mean, it's got sweet enough that you could actually, you know, it could fit in as dessert wine, but it's still light enough. It's yeah, not going to totally. make you sick after six pizzas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, what what was the first... Do, do you have one of those, uh, like, alcohols that you, like, overdid it with when you Fuck were young? yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Um, right before sixth grade, we moved from the city out to the country. And uh, I'd meet my friends. Uh, I guess I wasn't drinking in sixth grade. We moved in sixth grade, about three years in, say eighth or ninth grade. Uh, I went to meet my friends. We would meet in the cornfield. Everyone would like grab something from the liquor cabinet, sure. meet in the cornfield. And uh, I remember I grabbed, I didn't know any better. What was there was like warm gin and then cold beer. And uh, took a sip of the gin. So nasty. Spit it right out. And my bright idea was hold the gin in my mouth, take a sip of the cold beer, and swallow it. Which I did. Swallowed it all the way down, immediately all the way back up. And it was... <laughs> like that. <laughs> and it was um, at least 10 or 12 years before I could touch gin again. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having, I, so I actually, I work for Brooklyn Gin, and so I, a lot of times I, it, when I'm doing like a gin presentation, I have to really like call it out exactly how it is, because so many people, there's two spirits that everyone, everyone, who drink underage, oh, right, right, right. is not able to, it's tequila and gin, you know, they, 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 but also back in the day, it was like, it was Cuervo and like. Seagrams, or you know, whatever, some or even worse, you know. Yeah. It was, so it was just really bad stuff, and of course, it tasted terrible, and it like burn your throat. So I like typically go down like the timeline of the song "Gin and Juice," like as like an actual like drawn out timeline. You know, at the beginning of it, you know, Snoop's got all these friends over, and he's got a bottle of Seagram's gin, and everyone's got their cups, but they ain't pitched <laughs> in. So that's just like when you're younger, that's the kind of stupid shit you do. Yeah. But then, as you grow and your palate matures and you mature and, you know, you start treating people with more respect and everything, you know, because later on that day, his homie Dr. Dre came through with a ganger tanger ray. So, so a nicer gin, a very, very good gin, you know? And then the way that they mixed it at this party is, he, not only did he bring a bottle, <laughs> he brought a whole gang of it. Yeah, you brought which, enough for everybody. Which I believe is like a six-liter uh, case. Um, <laughs> as far as like whenever you look it up on like Bev Media or something like that. There's a, there's a lot of people in the background on that yeah. party, so yeah. like it is a it is a lot. Yeah, but then they're you know they're drinking Tanqueray and tonics, a very much more grown-up style of drinking gin. So like the song itself is a timeline. It's a really good example of how you know spend a little bit more money on your gin and also. Don't throw a bunch of crazy juice in there. Mix it with tonic. Grow up. I love that. <laughs> and those are straight from the words of Sir Snoop Dogg. I like the, the from, you know. from your city. The more you know. <laughs> Again, Dr. Dre taking young Snoop under his wing. Exactly. You know. And that's just that's kind of what we're doing <laughs> here with the show. <laughs> this is going out to the youth of America. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're promoting responsible. Um, 
in uh, elevated drinking to you know our audience out there, and we just want people to drink better and <laughs> drink better Marsala <laughs> wine. Um, yeah, there was definitely like I'm pretty sure that the first time I had Marsala wine, it was from the liquor cabinet. And it was only used for cooking, and it was sitting out, you know, after it'd been open. So it, who knows yeah, what yeah, yeah. it actually was at that time? But I definitely had the same experience. It was like, um, like most people, it was like. Uh, I had some tequila and some orange juice in the house, and so, and there was definitely some roses grenadine that was sitting out, and so I made like a tequila sunrise because I bought my first cocktail book when I was ten or twelve, so I knew like what I could make from these books. And of course, it didn't look right. It looked like it was mostly red. <laughs> it was mostly grenadine with like some tequila and a little bit of orange juice. But uh, then when I tried it on its own, it definitely made me sick. Uh, and any, then, any of those could make you sick. Yeah, any just, any just, one of them. Just that warm, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because I did. That's another thing I didn't realize yeah. that you're supposed to add ice to it. So anyway, well, you kind of knew that it was supposed to taste bad, you know. Oh kinda, yeah, you were kind of like you smoking. Were bracing you you, you kind of knew it was supposed to taste bad, and you're you know trying to be tough. Yeah, you definitely yeah. brace yourself for it. Yeah, yeah. But like cold beer when I was a kid, goddamn, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I used to stink my dad's beers. And it was the best thing. Cold beer is, you know, if you want a knuckle tattoo, that's going to be the best. Cold, Cold beer, beer fits on your knuckles. <laughs> um, just saying. I wish just saying fit on your knuckles. Just saying. But I had to get it tattooed over here. Because. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you wanted to talk about cold beer. Before the I show, did, you were I, telling me about I that. I did. I was like trying to get all deep on like, what are we going to talk about? What what <laughs> problems are we going to solve? You know, what wisdom are we going to drop? Oh, I mean, dude, th- like I always say, this this show is all about like shop talk. And usually when it's like, you know, at the end of the night and you're having your like shift drink and you're trying to solve all the world's problems, yeah. you're, you're not mixing yourself up like a think piece, like cocktail. You're having a cold beer you and are. like you're basically a boilermaker, right? Absolutely. I mean... And then maybe you have a, a second shift drink. I don't know. And then you just keep talking about it, saving the world's problems. Also, if you know you're um, drinking a long night with good friends, you're probably going to have numerous beers. So if you can have colder, shitty beers to chug through the night. Yeah. Probably spend more time with your buds. When was the first time you... Sh- have you ever shotgun a beer? You must oh, have. Absolutely. <laughs> when was the f- what age were you then? And did you like gash your thumb open from trying to... <laughs> or your tongue? I know no, I think... know so many people who didn't like open the cutout hole yeah, yeah. enough and then just like <laughs> like slash their face. No, it open. was it, it definitely was like um, I didn't shoot my face off or uh, cut my thumb the first time, but then like man, when did like the knives get involved? I've definitely seen some mishaps, you know. Yeah, and what's the deal yeah. with people like? There, I don't know. There must be. If it if it doesn't exist, which I kind of feel like it doesn't, there needs to be like a YouTube video, like a, a professionally done YouTube video. Maybe Jeffrey Morgenthaler can do it, or like Eric Castro. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like Safety exactly how to shotgun a beer properly, like high quality, high production video. Like you have to tilt it this way to where the air bubble comes up here, and then you hit it. It won't spew everywhere <laughs> if you have the air bubble at the top, and then make sure that the tab is faced the right way. So whenever you flip it, you can hit it and like there's like I don't know it's common sense to me, but there's not everyone has common sense. We we used to have a rule when we drank forty ounces that you couldn't pee before the forty was gone. Uh, so you definitely were drinking those fast 
doesn't work to stab a hole in them, but... Well, <laughs> I've tried to saber them before. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you ever play Edward 40 Hands? Oh, uh, yeah, once or twice. I've never done it. It was later, later in life, or later in drinking life. That was definitely a college show on tour, learning from the college kids. I just don't even... Yeah. I, like, I, I'm too old for that. When, once that started coming around, I was already too old for it. Yeah. But when, I mean, when, like, when you're spending the night on a college campus that you don't go to that college, you're kind of like looking at your buds and you're like, all right, let's roll with this yeah, tonight. Fuck it. Like, yeah, <laughs> no one we know is going to be here. <laughs> I'll streak through the yeah, quad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> As long as we make it to the next show yeah, on exactly. time. Um, and also, you're probably pretty psyched, like, as you said before, when you play the college towns, that's when you actually yeah, yeah, yeah. make money. <laughs> yep. Oh, and uh, just like tons of food. Yeah. Yeah. The budget's there. Um, so let's get. I, I tend to trail off a lot. Um, so g- let's talk about mini bar for once. Cool. The show. Uh, so run us down like mini bar. Um, comfort. Uh, sorry, comfy, cozy, little tiny bar. In um, it's a neighborhood place, but it just happens to be the neighborhood is the Hollywood Hills. So it's like the base of the Hollywood Hills. Um, there's like a natural physical divide between where people actually live and where the nightclubs are and like the stuff that people who live there definitely don't want to do. So this is that spot that they can actually walk to, you know, they don't have to enter into the junk. And somehow we've just put together, um, just like a, a, it sounds cheesy. It's not that kind of safe space, but it is like a safe space. Like, you know, people know that they're going to have great conversations with the person next to them. There's, um, we just get the, the best mix of customers. Um, for us, obviously, we get little bits of the industry, like writers, actors, and that stuff. But we have this huge, I don't know if it has anything to do with like my friends and my background, but we have this huge portion of musicians that come. And what's great about the musicians is, A, they like to drink, they like to have fun, but they also all know each other. So, you know, you see like one dude show up and you know, there's going to be 10 or 12 of his buds right yeah. behind him, you know? And then, like, once they're there, just more people are going to show up. And, of course, they're all, like, in that mood, ready to celebrate, you know? Yeah. But we're just grown up enough, and since we don't have, say, cinnamon whiskey and we don't have, like, Red Bull, we're just grown up enough that there's none of the usual bar problems. There's no puke. There's no fights, you know? We've had to kick... You know, three people out in three years or something. You know, it just it just doesn't happen. So it's always like a just a, a warm, special place. And then I know you know this from your bar. Um, there are I don't know how many times a year or whatever, but there are those nights where you just like stop and look around and you're like, this place is magic. Like you just watch it. And you're like, I don't know what this is, but there's a minute where this is like the best place on earth. You know? It's yeah. Like, and then just makes it all worthwhile, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's totally cool to just watch that. You're like, don't want to look back and be like, those were the golden years. You're like, shit, this is like the golden years right now. Like, it's happening. Just like be there and enjoy it, you know? Yeah, just get lost in that moment. And then everybody get out. You know? And then everyone get out of here. <laughs> so this bar is located in the building that is... Same hotel as the 101 coffee shop. Right, yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. And I don't know if, like, I was there. Did we meet there? 
We we anonymously shook hands. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Like, because I, I was there visiting. Um, I was on kind of a road trip with um, with Brooklyn Jen, and I, I stopped my friend. One of my friends lives over there, like walking distance from there. So we met up and had a drink there, and it was just so cool, man. And it was like one of those nights where. You're totally right, man, because I remember everyone that was sitting at the bar. It wasn't like a, a crusher of a night, or maybe it was right. like right towards the end, which is yeah, yeah. usually when I am showing up places. But um, uh, everyone that was sitting around me and my friend at the bar, they were just like super talkative and like lovely people, and the staff was awesome. And well, obviously you were awesome. Uh, but uh, it, it was just fun to like hang out in there and have it feel like like a place that's been around for a hundred years, it, which obviously it hasn't, but it it definitely has that vibe. Yeah, the way they designed it really just like sets the tone when you walk in, you mm-hmm. know. It's like already most of the job is done for us. Kinda alerts people to where they're at, you know. Yeah. And then our job is just to put them at ease after that mm-hmm. and let it happen. It's kinda cool. Yeah, totally. Um there was a I tried to go back the the next night, but then we we had like a pop up that we did, and uh, I just didn't make it in time. Well, we just got caught up, so I couldn't come. Yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, we should go back to this bar. Um, it's but, it's like the spot where you go with someone you actually want to spend time with. That's you know? exactly. Yeah, it's that's, like yeah, very cool. I think that's one of the secrets to uh, why people love it is just that they actually get to hang out with the people they want to hang out with, and yeah. then, you know. We just happen to be the the setting for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Very cool. What are your? Uh, I love LA dive bars. Uh, are... Frolic room for sure. Yeah. The Monte Carlo might be my favorite all time. Uh, I used to work at uh, Lock and Key, which is Vermont and Third, and there's two kind of dive bars on that corner, which you can hit, you know, on your way home or on break. And the Monte Carlo is probably my favorite. It's um nasty. It might be, it's like one of the like last two or three of the nasty ones. Like there's yeah. always, always a dude asleep on the bar. Like oh yeah, hundred percent of the time. Nice. And uh, Mari is the bartender who's there the most. Is uh, super sweet. One of my favorite. She's like putting herself through college, immigrating from Japan. She's awesome. But you know, it's um, the bottles came from Costco. <laughs> um, I always, I was, I've been there like a hundred times and I never used the restroom and I, I brought someone there once and they went to the restroom and they're like, man, it's so gross in there. And I'm like, yeah, what were you thinking? Like, I've been here so much. I've never seen the restroom. I don't ever want to like, that's your fault. <laughs> so I'll take the fine for peeing outside. Monte Carlo is great. <laughs> There's, um, kind of a, like a dive bar, beer bar downtown called ham and eggs. Which I really like. It's oh like, man, I've never been there. Yeah, it's like it's same block as Golden Gopher, um, but yeah, it's like good wine in juice glasses, and then cans of beer, and then they have a venue on the other side. And one, you know, one of the most important parts about a venue is the escape, so you don't have to be in there <laughs> when the band's going on. But yeah, you're not a big fan of uh, of live jazz and bars. Ooh, live jazz, <laughs> rough. Do you like rough, jazz, or is rough. it just live jazz that you don't like? I grew up. Liking jazz, now I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> fuck. And well, I think it's, uh, I also went to art school for music, and like I 
concentrated on blues and jazz and then it came from it became like such a dead music from such a live music so i still like i guess older stuff up till i'm no scholar but up to like 40s or 50s but right. once it became something that was taught in school then i'm just like yeah this is just a bunch of notes you know and i didn't always like the the crowd that it that it drew um the thing about live jazz in tiny bars is that there's no escape right you're like trapped and um there's a place uh emily my fiance and i like to go um on our you know one and a half days that we see each other yeah. sunday afternoon go have a glass of wine and it's like we sat we sat down settled in it was awesome and then two seconds later you start to hear the Jazz sound check <laughs> oh, oh man everything's great Except this. Well, it's a bummer, like that, like that they didn't make it known that that was happening. You know, and it, typically, like here yeah, in New York, yeah, yeah. it's like you know what you're getting into with every single place, and that's kind of like their thing, and it doesn't really change too much. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> I, can, I can understand how jarring <laughs> that might be. Um, let me ask you something about uh, a, a couple more things. I, I was going to say my some of my favorite type bars in LA are like. Because I was in Los Feliz, it was like the drawing room and sure. the rustic. And then, uh, what's the one on the other side of the like when you go to the east side? It's like the uh, the, oh, the, the lodge, uh, sportsman's no Bigfoot Lodge. Bigfoot Lodge, yeah, yeah. The Roost is that way. Have you been to the Roost? Yeah, I've been to the Roost. Yeah, the roost. Also, yes. bathrooms that you don't want to yeah, go yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I was drinking. Oh, this is the worst part is I the last time I was there, I was drinking what White Russians. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Very very. Good call. Daring, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, w- I want to ask this um, because the last couple times I've been to LA, I've only unfortunately been able to hang there for like essentially twenty four hours, yeah. and then I had to bounce. But I did notice that while I was there, like there's a market change because uh, it's a big city that sprawled out so much. Um, the, with the like advent of like Lyft and Uber and stuff like that, it must change. It must have changed the the nightlife vibes quite a bit. You know, people are actually able to like hang out more and get like a little bit more turned up and not have to risk the uh, you know killing someone or getting a right. DUI, right? So they can like actually stay out longer or drink more. So sales must be up, I guess. I think sales are up. The bars are there's more bars. Obviously, the bars are cooler too nowadays. Yeah. And there's just like there's less of that risk and less of like you know you're out with your buds and someone's had one or two and they're like uh i think i'm okay should we should we hang should we split and it used to be you know one drink here drive a half hour one drink here drive a half hour mm-hmm. there's also um more pockets of uh concentration you know where there actually are sure. spots where you can go to two or three bars and you know walk between them yeah the neighbors have actually become neighborhoods yeah. and yeah, it's like safer and like makes more sense. It's a little, it's just more fun. Like you can actually make a night out of staying in one neighborhood. Yep. And then, even if you're in someone else's neighborhood, it's easy to just get a car home. It's easy to get a home, yeah. car home. Cool, man. Do you have anything coming up? I mean, like I know you're out here for some top secret stuff. Can you talk about that real quick, or do you want to hold off? Uh, I like the I like the words top secret. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just, bottom secret. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those like I like to like. I want to tell everyone because I'm really excited, but I don't want to... You're not uh, there yet. Yeah, and I don't want to either jinx it or 
Yeah. 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 I understand. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, where do we find you on uh, social media and everything? Uh, Minibar Hollywood or at Minibar Hollywood. Cool. Um, for Facebook and for Instagram. Great. Do you guys do any, like, do you do, uh, I mean, obviously not live jazz, but do you, <laughs> <laughs> do, you do, like, events Depends there? Depends on who you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do, like, events there for, like, I don't know, like different kind of like parties and like liquor yep. stuff. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something obviously. It's, it's a great spot for like those kind of tastings. Yeah, because you know it's you know twenty five people in a corner, yeah. and and the person talking to the booze can reach everyone. You know, I kind of feel like the night that I was there, there was some sort of, or people were coming from some, like tasting or something. No, they were coming from a concert, the, uh, the Greek theater, ah. and it was like, I want to say it was like, it was something sparkly, like ABBA. Or something. Oh, like, there might have been some hotel people in the bar. Because yeah. our, our bar, you know, we're, we're in this hotel, but we're not really of the hotel. You know, it's totally separate, and we, we're probably 85 to 90% neighborhood and regulars. Yeah. But then every once in a while, depending on what's going on on the Hollywood Bowl or Fonda or whatever... And they're easy to pick out, you know. Yeah. There'll be those folks. There's a lot of woo girls. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't I yeah. suspect that it's that way all the time. No. It's... Um, but yeah, I had a blast there. Can't wait to go back. Um, I'm meant to be uh, there in like maybe next month. Awesome. Uh, mid next month. So I, f- yeah. I forgot. There's uh, one story. Um, when I first was like trying to put New York on the schedule and we're like, oh, we're going to go go there. I was like, I got to get on this show. <laughs> and I was doing homework. And people had always told me about the show. Like I've customers that are bi-coastal and they're like you know they love this bar this dude does this podcast and um so i was like doing my homework one day and i listened to three or four of them and it was the first time i actually listened to it i was like i wonder if we can get on that and then uh you know 30 minutes later i'm upstairs opening the bar and this dude walks in with a resume and you know he's like from new york and has some really good bars on there i look at him like all right all right he's like very bartender looking so i was like Okay, maybe. Uh, and then uh, he's about to leave, and I'm like, "Just oh, hey, by the way, like, how'd you hear a mini bar?" And he's like, "Oh, the Speakeasy podcast." It's like they talked about you. I was like, "What?" Oh, so maybe maybe there's a chance they'll let us on. It's like, just like happened to be the exact same day. It's like pretty cool. It all happens for a reason. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I lost that dude's resume. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. Shit, uh, he's gonna hear this show. If you're out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was not on purpose, but I tried to, even if I wasn't hiring at that point, I did, I was like trying to like retouch with him and be like, here's some places, you know, whenever I hear something, here's some places to. So whoever this mystery bartender is, uh, reach back out to Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, Cool, man. And also like, I know we're not going to, we're at the end of the show right now, but thanks for bringing a bottle to the show. You brought us a bottle of the PM Spirits, the, uh, the Street Pumas. Blended Scotch whiskey, which I have not tried yet. We have a bottle of gin in the studio, and um, Dave, I know, was checking this out. So we're going to try a little bit of this post show, yeah. and then maybe we'll talk about it next week when we come into the intro. But thanks so much for being on the show today. This is awesome. This has and, been uh, awesome. Good luck for you know, like the, your top secret, your top <laughs> secret project. Um, I have no doubt that uh, it'll be just as awesome as the other stuff you guys got going on. Um, so yeah, cheers. Uh, that's it for this week on the Speakeasy. We've had Jeremy Allen on the show today from Mini Bar. Go check it out. Mini Bar Hollywood at Mini Bar Hollywood. Um, really fucking awesome place. Uh, and I can't wait to go back. I should be there in about a month, like I said. 
Um, check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station so we can continue bringing programming like this. And until next week, cheers. Cheers. Jimmy. Thank you. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues. That's him. It's gonna get you some in the end. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.